What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 174 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, back after a one-week absence, and joining me as frequently, the great Scott Coleman is here. What's up, man? What's up, Brad? Welcome back. We missed you last week as Eric and I had to hold down the fort, and, and you were missed. So welcome back from almost two weeks in Vegas. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I was actually missed. I got some, uh, I think they were probably joking, but maybe not. Some people asked me never to come back, essentially, because they enjoyed the podcast with you and Eric. And I can't blame them. You guys did a good job. I did listen to that. That was uh, part of my very little, I would say, Braves consumption while I was gone. I was definitely in NBA mode, having uh, been out there in Vegas to cover NBA Summer League for 11 straight days. You kind of lose track of all things when you're in that bubble. Um, but... I did get to enjoy the All-Star Game stuff, and uh, you know we can start there real quickly before we'll definitely come back and talk about what happened on the field over the weekend with the Braves sweeping the Padres on the road, which you know the Braves don't usually go out to go out to the West Coast to sweep teams, so that's very nice to see. We'll come back to that in a minute. First things first is the beginning of the week. Um, I guess we can touch on the fact that the uh, the Futures Game included a couple of Braves uh, guys. Ian Anderson was out there. Christian Pache was out there. And uh, just for the record, I know you're probably listening to this. If you are a fan of this podcast, you probably listen to Road to Atlanta as well. But um, those guys broke down their top 30 midseason Talkie Chop prospect list. And uh, that's a good time for us to plug that right now as well because uh, that's it's awesome stuff. I candidly learn a lot from those from those prospect lists all the time. And I learned a lot about our uh, the, you know, the brightest prospects from those guys. But uh, anything you, you jump out to you on that list and or from the Futures game? Because we, we don't often do prospects <laughs> now that we have a prospect-only podcast. But uh, yeah. it's a good time to talk about it if we want to. Yeah, I thought, uh, I thought especially Ian Anderson, knowing that he was only going to pitch for an inning, he really let it fly and, and uh, you know, was sitting mid-90s with fastball and had a couple strikeouts. So he was really impressive. Um, yeah, if you haven't looked at it, uh, go back and check out uh, the top 30 for Talking Chop. The guys broke it down in uh, 1 through 30, scouting reports on everybody, what they're doing well, kind of a, a – a report card of sorts since the beginning of the year as to areas they've improved and where they've struggled and guys who have, who have raised up the list and guys who have fallen back a little bit. So, um, yeah, I cannot emphasize that enough. Um, if you're any, if you have any kind of interest in the Atlanta Braves, which I would assume you do listening to Brad and I ramble on, uh, every Sunday night, uh, be sure to go back and check those out because it's a great resource, uh, to have not only, uh, in the moment, but down the line too, you can, you can, uh, I always personally like going and seeing where guys were a year ago versus where they are now. See how guys, you know, obviously Drew Waters is somebody who's really risen up, but then you also see somebody like Luis Gohara who, who has dropped off. So, um, really good stuff there from the prospect guys. So be sure to check that out. Yeah. Prospects are interesting. You mentioned Gohara. There's always, it's the ebb and flow with prospects. And, uh, I think I definitely err towards, selling prospects um, when able to get major league talent um, versus the other side, which, you know, that's just, that's kind of just the way that I see things, but I also draw the line, you have to draw the line somewhere. And part of that is just the way that these things turn over. The Braves have had a ton of graduations because of all the young guys that have come up. And that's a very good thing. The system has been stocked now for, several years at this point in time. I know you and I will remember the Sean Go Martin days. That's uh, what I like Ooh, to refer to them as when the system time. was a disaster. Um, but now it's just kind of overflowing with talent, which is always a lot of fun. So please be sure to check out Road to Atlanta on this same feed, as well as all of the written content from our prospect guys, because it's the best in the business. If I do say it's his home myself, and I learn a lot from them. Um, all right, we can move off that for now. I'll talk about briefly the Home Run Derby and the All-Star Game took place. Uh, I did get to watch the Derby because I was technically on a shift 
um, for uh, Uprock Sports that night. So I had a reason to leave the leave the basketball arena and actually watch the derby, which was a lot of fun. And Ronald Acuna was prominently involved. He uh, did not win, which was not a huge surprise. He was not one of the betting favorites. He was somewhere in the middle based on where you looked ahead of time. But he did advance from round one and had a pretty interesting profile. He was one of the very few guys to hit the ball kind of to all fields, and that's kind of a reminder that his his power is just so natural and effortless, and I made, I made the, I think we all did, we, we all made the um, the long swing jokes uh, in, in advance of it, but uh, he looked he looked, he looked very good despite not winning, and uh, Vlad, Vlad Guerrero Jr. is just kind of a freak, even though he didn't win either, but that was a display of power that you will rarely see. Yeah, it was fun to see Acuna go to all fields. I mean, who goes oppo in, in home run derbies? Ronald Acuna does a lot, apparently. He does. And, center, yeah. and center a lot, too. It wasn't like it was yeah. just like spraying. There was the one, I, I remember this, too, from, actually from being in Vegas at the same time. Aaron Judge, when he won, went like almost purposely to right field a lot. Oh, yeah, sure. And it was just kind of bizarre to see. But like Ronald was just like hitting the ball wherever it was pitched. It was like he was taking BP, but just hitting the ball 450 feet every time. It was uh, it was kind of jarring to watch him how easy it was. I mean, he, he definitely got tired, but it was still yeah. uh, quite a display, honestly. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun to watch. And, and again, you know, it was kind of nice to see him not do anything different. You always hold your breath just a little bit whenever a young player goes to the home run derby. Um, and obviously he alleviated some of those concerns with homers on Friday and Saturday night. But um, yeah, it was a really impressive showing against, I believe uh, Josh Bell was the the favorite in Vegas actually to win. If not the favorite, then right up at the very top. So for him to knock Bell out and then you could tell, I mean, you look at how big, I mean, Josh Bell is a massive human being. Pete yes. Alonso, who he ended up losing to is a massive human being. Um, you know, those guys have maybe 40, 50 pounds on Ronald. I think just after swinging, However many times it is not just swinging for a you know opposite field single trying to hit a ball 400 plus feet. You could tell that that Ronnie was a little bit tired, but it was a lot of fun. I think I, I didn't research this, but a couple people said it was the first time ever that a Brave had advanced in the home run derby, uh, which is pretty fun. I, That's off the top interesting. Of my head. I, I hadn't heard that, but I, I guess I believe you now that now that you say that. Yeah. I'm trying to remember a time when I've had any like any rooting interest in the home run derby, and I can't remember the no. time. So maybe that maybe that's why. No. Know. And, you know, Freddie did it a few years back and he didn't do super well. And then, you know, dating back. So, yeah, it's, it's been a while since the Braves have even had somebody with a real chance right, in the door. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, there was the uh, there was a lot of a little bit of a groundswell that said, you know, Austin Riley might be good in the home run derby because uh, he's he's more yeah. of that big, beefy, uh, big, beefy yeah. guy that usually does well. And so maybe next year, if he continues to uh, rake a little bit, he'll be he'll sneak his way in there. But, um, yeah, I mean. For the first time in a while, they do have some actual. I mean, Freddie's obviously a power hitter, but Freddie's not the kind of pure power hitter. Like he's one of those just awesome no. hitters. He's not the kind of guy that you would envision as a home run derby guy necessarily. So now they have some more. Uh, I guess the objectively long swing of Ronald Acuna and oh. uh, and Austin Riley is just pure power. But maybe those guys will uh, make a dent one of these years. Yeah, and it's you know again you you talk about having a real rooting interest unless you're putting money on the home run derby it's right. it's hard to, to get really into it but this year's derby was incredible I mean I know of course everyone remembers what Josh Hamilton did maybe a decade ago at Yankee Stadium um, for my money it's the best one since then the the bat the second round battle between Vlad Jr. and Jock Peterson was incredible uh, yep. I mean yeah the, the people in Cleveland if if you ponied up for the for the All Star Weekend experience you were treated. Very nicely, because that was uh, that was as good of a home run derby as we've ever had, for sure. And uh, some Monday night entertainment, because that's that, that's the, the quiet part about this week that we just covered is that there doesn't there isn't too much going on. I mean, I was obviously in the uh, one, I guess the NBA summer league was existing, but that, those games don't really matter. I mean, there are some uh, young guys you people want to see 
But other than like WNBA and Wimbledon, there wasn't a lot of sports happening Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, other than the Home Run Derby and the All-Star Game, which was Tuesday. Um, I candidly did not see the All-Star Game. I did I did get to catch the uh, clip of Freddie Freeman being mic'd up against Justin Verlander, which was amusing and and fun. And Mike Soroka appeared, but there wasn't too much to take away from the All-Star Game. Did you uh, happen no. to catch the Freddie um, mic'd up experience? Because yeah. that, was, that was probably the yeah. best part of the night for the Braves. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was hilarious. I think it almost made Verlander a little mad, him just being such a competitive dude. Uh, you know, Freddie going up and telling him that that the booth is going to tell him what pitches are coming and all that was uh, was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, nothing too crazy. Ronald Acuna uh, got a filthy breaking ball from uh, I think it was Jose Barrios from the uh, uh, Twins who struck him out. Um, but yeah, other than that, nothing too crazy. And again, it was it was a fairly calm and quiet. I mean, it was like less than three hours. Uh, you could hear after the game with Buck and Smoltz in the booth when they said it was under three hours, like two hours and 52 minutes. Yeah, they were, they were just kind of amazed because those games do have a tendency to get a little crazy and, and to run long. So, yeah, nothing nothing too much from the All-Star game. But as you said, there's just not a whole lot else going on this time of year uh, once baseball hits the little week-long hiatus. So um, it was fun to see the guys out. Mike Soroka, as you said, worked one, two, three inning. Uh, wasn't super sharp and and just coming into the middle of a game like that in the fifth inning or whatever it was it cannot be easy. Um, but he made it through the inning without giving up any uh, any base runners. So it was it was a good time all the way around. Yep, that's a win. Uh, and we can move on to some you know actual brave stuff. That's quarter, that's kind of all uh, peripheral in nature to this point. But uh, there were a couple of news and rumors that we wanted to hit on at least briefly and touch on them. Uh, Anthony Swarzak is back and Grant Dayton is on the IL now with a broken toe. Um, apparently that was broken in interesting manner, uh, playing catch. He's gonna be out for a month. Not a huge loss because Dayton is definitely one of the low men on the totem pole, but, um, you know, the Braves need all the arms they can get, to be honest with you. Um, there is a little, there's a little bit of buzz that they're going to be back, definitely in the, uh, in the running for some bullpen arms in the coming weeks. We are two weeks out-ish from the, from the trade deadline, which we'll get to in a second as well. But what did you make of that, if anything? And you know, Swarzyk was really good before he, before he came back, so you kind of hope he's going to keep it going. But other than that, mm-hmm. I don't have a grand takeaway there. No, it's too bad for Grant Dayton, who spent the last Brutal. two years recovering from, I believe, Tommy John. So, uh, yeah, when we first heard that Dayton was going to the, the IL with a, a broken toe, everyone kind of laughed and thought it was – Anthopolis doing his roster manipulation again in order to get a guy back on the roster. But I mean, yeah, if he really did break his big toe playing catch with Chad Sabatka of all people who throws pretty hard. That hurts, by uh, the way. Broken bro- bro- yeah. big toe is uh, extremely painful. I did that actually. I think it was in ninth grade playing basketball. Um, toe injuries, you can't do a lot for them, but they no. really, really hurt. Like it's not yeah. even, uh, I can't express to you how much that hurts to have to put any pressure on a broken toe. So uh, I identify with uh, what, he's, what he's going through, even as a yeah. non-professional athlete <laughs> that I am. Right. Uh, it hurts let a lot. Alone, yeah, let alone landing on that foot to try to throw a 95-mile-an-hour yeah, fastball over the plate. Yeah, so it's too bad. I thought Dayton had, had been pretty solid in his limited duties this year. And as we talked about, Anthony Swarzak has been so good. Uh, was good again on, on Saturday night. He made his first appearance and uh, was able to get out of a little bit of a jam with a strike him out there out double play and, and you just hope his shoulder holds up but yeah nothing uh, nothing too crazy you talk about a, a fairly slow week for news uh, or at least legitimate news uh reportable news if you will um <laughs> but yeah it was, it's good to get anthony back and hopefully dayton's able to come back and and then be a fresh arm in, in september 
Yeah, you mentioned a slow news week. That comes with the territory with only three games, and we're saving the games for the end, so they are coming, I promise. Um, but on the rumor front, there were two like semi-rumblings that hit this week, and it's going to pick up for sure because we're 15 days out now, 16 days out from the trade deadline. But um, there was a – I'm not even sure I would call it a rumor with Marcus Stroman of the Blue Jays. He's been tied to the Braves uh, – Several times, including last year before the deadline, and over in the, in the winter as well. Um, apparently, there was some uh, some reporting, but for some from lesser, some non you know non national sources about um, Stroman potentially being a target of the Braves. You know that would not surprise me. There was a lot of doubling down though from from the beat guys that are on the Braves beat um, and John Heyman, uh, basically writing off that as completely fictional. Essentially, um, I would be skeptical of anything pro or con on any of these rumors right now because if you remember the Dallas Keuchel signing happened and like two days before that all the beat writers were saying it was not a chance going to happen they were definitely like closing the door on it and then it happened two days later so Anthopolis is uh someone who works in the shadows and I kind of don't believe anything unless it's from like Ken Rosenthal basically or maybe uh, maybe Jeff Passan those would be the two guys that I would say like I I definitely believe everything else I'm sure it's being reported If if it's from a national guy or one of the beat guys it's coming from somewhere. They're not. They're not just making stuff up. I can't speak for you know the guys who are not you know credentialed reporters that kind of throw, throw things against the wall occasionally. But if it's from one of our guys or one of the national guys, they're not just saying it for no reason. But at the same time, you know my guard is up on all rumors. We'll do Stroman first here, and then there's one more we that we want to touch on. What do you make of Stroman as a target? I mean, this is not something that we're obviously not breaking any news here. But do you think he's interesting? Because he hasn't been that good but at the same time he would be better than what the Braves have available and he's still like you know kind of young and has been just tagged with the Braves so many times that at some point it feels like it's, it might happen I don't know it's just kind of weird yeah I'm I'm a fan of Marcus Stroman I think if I had to rank all of the starters who could maybe get traded over the next two and a half weeks he would be pretty high at the top of my list um for a couple reasons one you mentioned he's 28 and uh more importantly he has another year of control next year he has his final year of arbitration uh, in 2020 which is important i think if you're going to have to give up a significant piece uh, to get a, a player you certainly like to have more than just the two plus months of control on him um i i think it's not hard to to just kind of come to some conclusions as to why he would be better getting out of Toronto after all these years. I mean, you think about one pitching in the Rogers center on that turf where you just see ground balls just fly once they're hit. He's a sinker ball guy. I think he's number two in ground ball rate in the major leagues this year and has been for years. Yeah, uh, he he think, has a career ground ball rate of 60%, which is yeah. for a starter is just outrageous. That's yeah. very, very high. It, and, you know, the Blue Jays, not a great defensive team. You think about the differences there. You, you put him on the mound behind or with uh, Freddie Ozzie, Dansby, and Donaldson behind him is a, is a really strong uh, infield defense. Um, you know, I, I'm not overly familiar with, with Toronto's front office, but I do think the Braves are, are one of the leading teams and as far as analytics and, and using those numbers to better their pitchers. So I think that's an area where he could grow a little bit. And really, he's been remarkably consistent. You look here. Uh, the last five years, he's had a FIP. And again, I use FIP, of course, because he's in a tough division in a, in a, in a ballpark that's really tough to pitch in. Uh, but the last five years, his FIP is 3.54, 3.71, 3.90, 3.91. And it's down to 3.71 today after pitching pretty well against the Yankees. So 
again, he's not an ace. I mean, don't you know this isn't Max Scherzer. If they do decide Stroman's the guy, it's not Max Scherzer they're getting. But I do think he's he's proven to be a really reliable number three starter. And for the reasons I just kind of laid out, I do think there's some upside with him, especially as he's as you said in his late twenties. It's not a guy who's in his mid thirties or anything like that. Yeah, the control is interesting, and uh, it's kind of funny. You know, last year people were definitely going to circle, and I saw a little bit on Twitter with people analyzing the potential move uh, that last year Stroman only had 19 starts and had a 5.54 ERA. That's not great, obviously, but um, his peripherals are almost the same this year as they were last year, and his ERA is down two more than two full runs. So I'm inclined to say that last year was kind of a outlier in some ways like I'm, not, yeah. I, I'm with you that he's not going to be a dominant ace I think his career numbers are about what you can expect a 3.81 ERA 3.65 FIP in his career that's a very solid like you said number three starter ish kind of pitcher um and at his age on his, on his control that would really help the Braves in a lot of ways so uh, I mean obviously nothing firm on that one but I wanted to at least touch on it because it was, at least came to light we got asked about it a few times so I wanted to reference it a little bit here we'll come back to Stroman if there is anything else that comes with uh, some more fire to the smoke. Um, Yeah. Well, and today too, sorry. Uh, But yeah, the Braves did have a scout at his start in New York today, which now again, you know, don't put too much stock into a scout at a start. I mean, those guys live out of suitcases uh, all month long. They're, they're, you know, they're bouncing around seeing everybody pitch, but no, it's, um, it's worth mentioning nonetheless. For sure. That's uh, something we should at least keep in mind. And it's not it's not nothing. I'm not, not sure what it means, but it, it, I guess it could be something, I suppose. Um, the other guy that was re- at least rumored to the Braves at some point this week was Matthew Boyd of the Tigers. The Detroit News reported that the Braves are a team with interest in Matthew Boyd. He is a lot less famous than Marcus Stroman, uh, but a 28-year-old left-hander. His career numbers are not exactly outstanding but three straight years now with two fan graphs war or more and this year he's having his best year of his career already a three-win player this season with a sub four era 12 strikeouts per nine and 1.89 walks per nine a six to one strike to walk strike out to walk ratio is uh pretty darn good and 19 starts i'm not sure how sustainable that is but um he's a very solid pitcher uh doesn't have the same track record that stroman has but he also has, has arb control for three more seasons after this one so that makes him even more interesting in some ways um he's, he's very cheap right now 2.6 million dollars for this season and again three more arbitration years He's not as sexy as Stroman, but there was actually you know more firm reporting from a real source that I would I mean it's it's, it's a local paper, but it's still someone who is a credential media member reporting reporting interest there. So what do you make of Matthew Boyd as a target? I know Brace fans I can, I can already hear Brace fans kind of like rolling their eyes right now, but he would be better than again better than what, what they have in that spot right now. Like he's better than Hula Tehran, for instance. Yeah, he's he's a fascinating guy. I mean, as you said, his, his coming into this year, his career ERA and FIP were north of five. So he was effectively a fifth starter innings eater for a bad Tigers team. This year, you mentioned he has the crazy strikeout numbers. He doesn't walk people. Where he's getting killed right now, and the reason he's not a, a Cy Young winner or a Cy Young candidate is he's getting killed by the home run ball. Uh, yep. It's almost uh, I think it's one of the highest rates in all the majors right now, actually. Um, and after he was basically unhittable in April and May. But since the start of June, he hasn't been great. Again, his ERA is in the upper fours. Uh, but again, it's it's purely home run driven. So I think it's it's a bit of a risk and a gamble that a team has to take if the Tigers decide to trade him. One is 
is the home run problem correctable? And, and I never know. I, I think part of it is, is pitchers have some control over home runs, but I also think that big league hitters are good at their jobs and with a juiced ball, it's, it's going to happen. Um, but as you said, the real thing here is there's three more years of arbitration. So you're getting him for three and a half seasons. Um, maybe he becomes Chris Sale 2.0. Maybe the really good first two months of 2019 he had were, were more of a, a fluke and a flash in the pan. And all of a sudden you've just given up multiple top prospects. Because I think that's what's ultimately going to take to get him. All of a sudden you've given up three guys in your top 12 or so in order to get a guy who had a career ERA above five this season. So if he does get traded, whether it's the Braves or not, I'm fascinated to see what the market will be for him. Uh, he's somebody who I think, again, you get him in a, a front office that's a little more analytically inclined. I think it's there's room for growth. And again, he's only 28. But it's a pretty significant risk compared to somebody like Marcus Stroman. He have a pretty good idea of what you're going to get um, compared to you know a guy who has incredible stuff but just hasn't quite put it all together over a full season just yet. Yeah, I mean, just for some reference point, he, he was terrible when he first came up. Um, but I have the numbers pulled up now from his last, you know, three and a half seasons, basically since the start of 2016. So, you know, the last four seasons, but this year is only a partial season. His ERA is 4.55, which is not what you want to see. Obviously, 4.3 FIP. Um, but, you know, 8.4 Fangraphs war. So he's averaging more than two per season. That's not anything to balk at. And he's been very durable as well. I mean, 96 starts in the last three and a half seasons. So he's basically not been a issue staying on the field. Solid strike out to walk rate. Um, the home run rate is too high, as you referenced. But he's someone who I think if the Braves traded for him would be quite a divisive figure before he even made a start. He's one of those guys that the numbers like, like the more advanced numbers like a lot more than the ERA numbers do. And that is a usual um, line in the sand with his fan base. Um, there is There was some stuff this, even this weekend about some numbers that were more advanced that people like retracted from that they really did not like whatsoever um, compared to just the more traditional stats. And the, 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 the uh, traditional numbers do not love Matthew Boyd, um, whereas the advanced numbers kind of do. So interesting pitcher to keep an eye on to be sure and um, he would definitely help and the arb stuff is very interesting the control is you know probably the most interesting part of Matthew Boyd honestly but um we'll see if there's any more uh, noise on that one but I thought it was worth it was discussing because that was more of a rumor in my opinion than the yeah. Stroman was um even if it's less sexy <laughs> in nature huh. so you know it's funny the the same guy who reported the Braves and a couple other teams had interest he made a note too that that was curious that the Tigers are obviously coming out of a rebuild or in the middle of a rebuild and and you have this asset in this 28 year old pitcher and all of a sudden the teams that are reportedly interested are uh, the Astros the Rays the Braves all teams that are very analytically inclined the, the teams. smart teams yeah. so it might even make Detroit go wait a minute maybe maybe we don't want to give away this guy um, may, you know, what are they seeing that we're not? There's a reason, you know, it's, it's all of a sudden if one team's interested, that's something, but if three or four teams who are all kind of from the same, the same mold, if you will, are interested in a guy, then maybe it does give them a little bit of pause and says, maybe we should hang on to him for another year or two and see what we have. Yeah. That'll be one to monitor. Uh, I think, you know, they probably will trade him based on where they are and what I've heard, but you know, it kind of depends on where you want to stack up the value and who wants to I guess probably pay market value or overpay for him. That's usually what it takes to get a guy under control for this long. And uh, maybe, 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 maybe it'll be the Braves. Maybe it won't be. And we'll see what happens. All right, Scott, we'll take a quick break here. And we'll come back talk about the uh, on-field stuff from this weekend. So here's a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. All right, man, we're back. And um, 
you know, a three-game sweep in San Diego, which does not happen. I mentioned this earlier on the podcast, but the Braves don't often go, particularly in San Diego, but really anywhere on the West Coast to just sweep teams. And coming out of the break with three wins, you can't really ask for more than that. Just for a big-picture standpoint, the Braves are now 20 games over 500. They have a seven-game lead on the, on the Nationals in the National League East, eight and a half games on the Phillies. Uh, Washington Philly play each other um, over the weekend. That was a pretty interesting series. There was some uh, some choke jobs <laughs> along the way from huh. Philly. Um, but other than that, I mean, obviously in great shape. There's still like four, four and a half games, depending on where the Dodgers play tonight. Um, behind the Dodgers for the best record in the National League, which might be out of reach. But they are a very, very clear number two team right now in the National League based on the standings. And, um, you know, you can't really ask for more than going on the road, taking care of business against a team that, they, that they're better than, but the Padres are not terrible by any means. So going 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 there and winning three straight games off of a four-day break is uh, honestly pretty impressive. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was the first time since 2011 that the Braves won a series in San Diego. That's um, a long and time. And it's not like the Padres have been the Dodgers where it's like, yeah, well, they've been really no. good for the last eight years. Of course, they're going to struggle. I mean, they've had some really bad teams over those years. And the Braves, I mean, I've, I know personally I've been in San Diego a couple times and the Braves were in town and it just things did not go well. It was one of those parks, kind of like Chase Field used to be, too, uh, one of those parks where just everything would seemingly go wrong. Um, but yeah, to start out the second half with a sweep and and to go out west, I think other than that one makeup game in Colorado, I think they're done with the West Coast um, at this point. Actually, I don't think they're gonna. Somebody said the other day, and I apologize for not remembering who it was, but I think the farthest west they have to go is maybe Minnesota at this point. Does that sound right? I know they still have the Twins. I'm looking um, now as you, other, as you talk. Um, yeah, I mean Kansas City, Milwaukee, Minnesota. They're home for the Dodgers. They go to Colorado for that one game that you referenced in August, but that's it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, everything else yeah. is – I mean, I guess Kansas City is out that way, and that's the second-to-last series of the year. They have a two-gamer in September in Kansas City. But, yeah, not, not a lot going oh. on. I mean, literally one game against the National League West the entire way, and it's a bizarre cross-country road trip to play one game, and they could – Maybe, like, honestly, if the Braves are in a, in a comfortable spot by then, you could see a weird roster for that game because it's just – we talked about that, that when it happened, when the Colorado rain out, snow out, whatever it was, happened. We were like, well, that's bizarre. Now they have to go from New York to Colorado back to Toronto in one day. And that yeah. could be a like a 17-man roster making the making <laughs> Colorado. Yeah, so yeah we'll it's see. one of those just send the starting pitcher and five relievers, and you say, all right, we're going to try to win this one and, and keep everybody else going towards Toronto. I mean, they'll send the whole team, of course, but sure. no, I, I get I'm what kidding, you're saying. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody, uh, that, anybody that needs a day off, <laughs> they might just uh, leave. Yeah. And might just leave in New York and get creative with some of the uh, roster situation on that one. So we'll see. Yeah, but yeah, to go again, you know, get to get back to it. Yeah, to to sweep a good, young, exciting Padres team. You talk about teams that are on the right trajectory. They almost feel the Braves never had their their kind of step up season. They they went from being bad to the ninety wins. Of course, this feels like a year where the Padres or the young guys are kind of figuring it out a little bit. Uh, they're going to get a couple contracts off, I think, this year and next for the Padres, um, a team that this time next year, I'm going to guess they are considerably above 500 versus now being three games below. But yeah, to, to come out um, and win three games, all of which were pretty entertaining and, and pretty thrilling, uh, was a big start for the second half. For sure. Uh, we start with Friday. Dallas Keuchel pitched well. Cruz for seven innings. His ERA looks good. His peripherals are kind of funny. Like Keuchel... Is always been, I don't know, is always going to be an extremely low strikeout pitcher. But so far this year, 
in his five starts with the Braves, he has a 4.78 strikeout per nine, which is like comically low for a starting pitcher. Um, and is, as a result of that, his peripherals are not great, but you look up and it's 3.09 ERA and five starts. Yep. And that's exactly what you're looking for from Dallas Keuchel. Just be solid to good. And he's been solid to good. And that's why they signed him. That's basically like, that was a big story from Friday night is, you know, other than Josh Donaldson doing Josh Donaldson things. And he's been very good as well. But Keuchel just making things easy on the Braves is why you sign him. Yeah. And I, I think I wrote, I wrote the recap on Friday night and it's just, Again, nothing. I, I'm first in line to see the young kids who can throw a hundred with the big sliders and big curveballs. But you know, to watch Keuchel go out there and sit mid upper 80s for a hundred pitches, uh, it's the third start in a row he's gone seven innings. You mentioned the ERA is 3.09, um, some of which wasn't even necessarily his fault because of two of those runs were were Chad Sabatka's problem because he gave up a homer a couple starts ago. But yeah, I mean he's he's been great. It helped save the bullpen even if the bullpen's rested as we would see on Saturday and Sunday, a lot of them had to be used. So he was impressive. And, and again, you touched on Josh Donaldson, who had uh, the two homers, and, and Acuna also had one. Um, it was it was a nice, fun showing all the way around. Yeah, Ronnie announced that he was just fine after the home run derby on Friday night. Uh, by the way, Donaldson, we talked about him. He, he had two homers on Friday. He had another one on Saturday. Um, at this moment, this is, your, this is your weekly Josh Donaldson update. He's on pace for like a four-and-a-half win season. Like, he's been really good. We, we we would say that all season long, but he's been even better lately to the point where, you know, 128 WRC+. Plus, he's been durable. He's been on the field. He has power. His defense has been good. Um, I, I hope slash think that the hate has subsided a little bit. Every once in a while, I still see some, like, they should trade Donaldson for a pitcher stuff. And it's like, guys, no. Like I, yeah, I, I tweeted while happening. I was in Vegas. I was one of those like tweet and then get away from the computer for several hours. <laughs> but I tweeted that Donaldson yeah. could be shut down the rest of the season right now and have, will have earned his contract. And people got mad at me. And I was like, guys, look at what he's done. He's 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 already sitting at two and a half wins in mid July. Like he's been awesome. Like <laughs> there's no debate here whatsoever. If there is a debate, like I don't want to be having it with you. You know what I mean? Like it's not, like who are you arguing against? I'm not really sure at this point. But there's people out there who still are disappointed in Josh Donaldson. You, you can't be anymore. He's been awesome. Yeah, no, he's been great. And you think about protecting Freddie Freeman in the middle of the order. And again, everyone, a couple of Padres fans are on Twitter this week, uh, this weekend watching the series. And, you know, it's like, God, this lineup is insane. I mean, you have, you have Ozzy Albies hitting, I think that night it was eighth. You have Donaldson crushing in the fourth spot. Uh, Freddie being great. Acuna, I mean, so on and so forth. Uh, but yeah, he's been he's been really really good, and in a time where a couple other guys before Freddie's big home run on in the eighth inning today, uh, you know Freddie had been scuffling a little bit. But when you have Donaldson hitting behind him and picking up the slack, and then in two weeks when Donaldson calms down, well then you'll have Freddie pick it up, and then Acuna, yeah. and then Dansby, and Oz. I mean it's been that way all year long, even if the whole lineup isn't clicking. Which other than like that one week homestand where they scored ten runs every night. Um, you, there's always only been two or three guys carrying the load, but when you have this deep of a lineup and this good of a lineup, um, that that's how you're going to win games. So it was it was really fun to see uh, Josh get off to a good start, and like you said, he's on pace for one of his best seasons ever, which is saying something considering he's been an MVP candidate uh, those couple of years in Toronto. I mean, to your point about the lineup, this is nothing new if you are following this Braves team, but you know the the two worst spots in the lineup this season um, are catcher. 
where Flowers and McCann are both like slightly below league average in terms of their WRC pluses. They've both been just fine for catcher. You know, catchers are generally bad across the league, so the Braves still have a better than average duo at catcher. But um, pl- plug those guys in for just league average produ- production or something like that, and then Marcakis has a 108 WRC plus. Like he's not been bad. He hasn't been particularly great. Like he's sitting there with I think like like 0.5 FanGraphs WAR in mid July. But if he's your worst regular outside of catcher, you're in great shape, and that's where the Braves are right now. Even guys who have been hot and cold, like Ozzy and Dansby, are sitting here with like 110, 112 WRC pluses, yeah. and that's really good for your middle infielders that are good that are good on defense and do other and do other stuff for you. So it's kind of a ridiculous lineup, and that's even with Austin Riley cooling off and like guys, you know, guys can afford to be like like you said, can afford to be a little bit hotter, hotter and colder based on the fact that there's usually somebody that has it going at that particular moment. And um, it's it's now a full-blown strength. Like, we talked about this before the season started. I'm not sure either of us thought that the lineup was going to be this. Um, and it's been better than advertised. And that's a big reason why the Rays are where they are. Because the pitching has not been, as we talked about ad nauseum, other than Mike Soroka, the pitching has not been lights out this season. And they're no. still in this fantastic spot in the standings. And that's a lot of that's just the offense being really good all, all year long. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's truly amazing. I mean, the fact that we're sitting here, Fulte's been bad, Gosman was bad, um, inconsistent Max Freed, uh, inconsistent Julio Tehran, even, even Keichel wasn't great in his first start or two. And the fact they're 20 games up and have a seven game lead on Washington, eight and a half on Philly. I mean, it's amazing. You think, wow, if, if, and again, this is a little bit more of an if, but if they can get Fulte or Gosman back to being even close to their normal selves, or if they go out and add somebody in the next two and a half weeks at the deadline who can help the front line of the of the rotation, uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy to think just how high of a ceiling this team has. Which, um, you know, nothing against last year, but I think after by the time August and September rolled around, I don't know, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I don't think too many people were penciling the team in for the World Series. Um, but no. right now, if if you're telling me that the Braves are going to be in the World Series in three months, I don't think I think it's at least a legitimate possibility now. Not to go down that road too much. The Dodgers are still really good. Seems like the Cubs are figuring it out. Yeah, the, the Dodgers the are better. The, the Dodgers yeah. are better than the Braves. They are, but it's it's a series. And you know this this team this year versus the team last year. I think people like you and me were, you know, we wanted to be optimistic about the series last year against the Dodgers. But at the same time, you looked at what the Dodgers had in their roster, and it was impossible to pick the Braves in that series. Um, yeah, could they have won? It's baseball, sure, um, but it's a little closer now than it was then. I still think the Dodgers are better top to bottom. That's not really controversial. They have a better record. I think they have a better roster. But the gap is smaller, which is which is good. And honestly, I mean, the standings kind of say this as well, obviously, but is there a team, I mean, maybe the Cubs? Is there, Maybe the Cubs would be the team that you would pick to pick over the Braves in a series other than the Dodgers. But other than that, I mean, this doesn't, it doesn't exist. The Braves are better than everybody else is. They just, they just are. And we'll see, yeah. what, we'll see what, the pitching, what the pitching looks like. But for now... This has not been a fluke. I mean, it's kind of funny. I'm looking at the Fangrass page right now. The only pitcher on this team right now that has more than 1.4 Fangrass war is Mike Soroka. And that is not usually the recipe in mid-July for a team that is in this kind of shape. Like Max Freed has cooled off to, so now he's sitting 1.4 uh, Fangrass war with a, still with a 4.29 ERA. It's pretty high for him after what he what he did early on, but... Kevin Gosman, Julio Tehran, Sean Newcomb, Dallas Keuchel now is obviously on pace to be better than that potentially, but a late start. And you look down and you find Fulte. Like, this is not the Fangraphs pitching page of a team that's supposed to win 95 games, and that's where the Braves are right now, which is just, again, a testament to the lineup 
and a testament to how good Soroka's been too. But um, yeah, just I mean, they're just better than we thought they were going to be, and that's that's totally that's totally fine with me. I'm I'm on board. Don't get, don't get me wrong. But uh, I, yeah, I was it's fine. I'm looking to be wrong. It's, it's fine, which is fine. I'm good. I'm good with that. Well, I think I think last year it was more than enjoy the ride. I mean, nobody sure. expected them to win ninety last year, and 100%. I think even until even until like you know that that first or second week of September when the Phillies started to fall off, I think everyone kind of had their guard up, and they're like, okay, this is a young team. Everybody thought twenty nineteen was going to be the year. We're a year ahead of schedule. You know, when when are we going to have this heartbreak? And, and it never happened. And, and the Braves are on the win the division pretty comfortably with a week to go. And and obviously, the, the you know, the NLDS didn't go super well, but they won a game and, and they were at least competitive in two out of the three losses. Um, but this year is different. I know Mark Bowman, who, you know, front page of the Braves.com website said this is probably the first year since 2003 where if the Braves don't make the World Series it'll be viewed as somewhat of a disappointment. Now, I'm not quite to that level if they can no. win the NLCS and then lose a, a good series against the Dodgers, I'm not going to, you know, lose it, but I think this is truly the first time in in frankly, I mean, that's 15 years ago that assuming, you know, you don't know how the next two and a half months are going to go, injuries are going to happen, performance is going to vary. But I think we're at the point now, especially at 20 games up on, on July 14th, 15th, whatever today is, that if they don't win a playoff series for the first time since a one, um, there's going to be some legitimate, you know, what's what's wrong here with, with the team. Yeah, I'm looking now, since you mentioned that, at the, at the baseball reference page for the Braves. And, you know, since 2003, which is the year that you referenced, that Bowman's referencing, the Braves have won 96 games twice. They won 96 in 04 and 96 in 2013, and then lost in the first round both those times. By the way, how about that run? And this is this is my high school days um, from 2002 to, 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 to 2004. They lost three consecutive LDSs in five games. Mm. Like that yeah. is so brutal, um, which I almost forget sometimes. But I mean, yeah, no no series wins since 2001, which is still like just comical to think about. But it, it's the truth. But even then, they have they have a chance. I wouldn't predict this at this moment in time, but they have a better win percentage right now than they have in any season since 2003. Mm-hmm. They're sitting here with it with a better than 600 win percentage. They're on pace, just pure pace, for more wins this season than they have than they've accumulated in any season since I was a junior. Yeah, junior in high school. So. Yeah, that's a long time ago. I'm not a junior in high school anymore. So, I mean, at the very <laughs> yeah. least, and again, like I'm with you more than Bowman, I think, on this one, where I think you cannot expect this team to make the World Series based on the presence of the Dodgers. They're just better than the Braves are right now. But winning a playoff series is now the baseline expectation, which is that's changed yeah. a lot since the beginning of the season. We came into the year, I know, at least I'll speak for myself anyway, we came into the year saying, you know, the Braves could certainly win this division, but I wasn't like loudly picking them to win the division. Like the Phillies did a lot, the Nationals were still talented, etc. And now in the period of three months, they've gone from maybe finishing maybe winning the division, maybe not, to they better they better win a playoff series. And that that's yeah. a big jump to be talking about, but it's just the reality of the situation now where expectations are high, and that also provides the potential for heartbreak, like you referenced a minute ago, but that's where we are, man. They're winning games in an alarming. They're twenty games over five hundred in July. Like that, that doesn't happen very often, uh, at no. least recently. 
No, and and there and I agree with you as of today that you you look at the Dodgers roster. I think they have more depth. I think the rotation is better, especially in a short a short playoff series. But they're at least closing the gap, and there was such a big gap we saw as the Dodgers were playing matchups all year, and and we had that horrible bench in the NLDS oh. last year. <laughs> you know now there's that's oh, not the, the case. If you have to go to Matt Joyce, who had a big hit today, if you have to go to Matt Joyce in a pinch hit spot, you feel good about it. Charlie Culberson. I mean, every every night he seems to do something good. The Come bench on, is the bench is a real thing now, where it was not a real thing in October of 2018. It just wasn't. That was it was terrible. Yeah, yeah, and and who knows? I'm not sitting here predicting that that Ender comes back and does anything great but you know he's been a good for five or six years he's a three-time gold glove winner he's historically been a better hitter in the second half i don't know maybe they bring him back and they start giving austin riley a little bit of time off who's been struggling um you you at least have options and i think if if the braves should face the dodgers at any time in the playoffs it's even the most rose-colored glass fan is oh boy this this might be tough first you know what if, if a few things bounce their way and and they catch a couple breaks and they keep hitting, it would not be impossible to beat the Dodgers. I just don't think that was necessarily a, a likely scenario last year. So it's it's uh, it's a lot of fun to see them kind of get closer and closer. As you said, they're, they're four games back of the Dodgers right now. To at least be in that conversation, I think, speaks a lot. I totally agree. And uh, just to wrap things up a little bit on that discussion, the Braves are now currently at this moment on pace for 98 wins. Mm. Whew. Uh, I wouldn't... I think I take the under just because they just won three in a row to kind of buoy that percentage up a little bit and the projection up a little bit, but it's not crazy. That's all I'll say. No. No. Um, anyway, um, yeah. Any other thoughts on the rest of the week? And I mean, the Braves had a couple of memorable catches. The Marquecas catch on Saturday night got a lot of pub. The Acuna catch today against Machado at the wall got a lot of pub in the fifth inning. Obviously, Soroka was great today, and they, they get the 4-1 win. Anything that you want to touch on that we haven't that we haven't hit on over the weekend, or should we wrap up with where we are? No, I mean I think we were good. Yeah, that that market. I was unable. It was uh, my fiance's birthday on Saturday, so I uh, was unable to. I was following the game uh, on Twitter and on the MLB app for the final three innings, and it was just you can imagine knowing how crazy Saturday night's game was to catch that on on back a, and forth and back and forth all night pitch long. By that was a crazy one. MLB app, yeah. So. Um, but no, I mean, it's, it's again, the, the tough schedule continues. They're going to go face a Brewers team, though, all year long. This is probably the worst the Brewers have played. Uh, they got stomped again by the Giants. They lost two out of three to the Giants this weekend and needed uh, needed a comeback win on Saturday in order to not get swept. They've um, lost but, seven of nine, by the way, at this moment. The Dodgers, I mean, yeah, the Brewers have. They're yeah, they're sure, I mean, they, they are. And it's the team that was so good last year. They won 99 games, won the division. Um, they have some serious problems and, and looking ahead, um, they will see Brandon Woodruff on Tuesday night. Who's been really, really good. I believe he was an all-star if memory serves, but other than that, it's a series that you want to get at least one. And if you can't get, uh, take another series, uh, it'd be really nice. And then obviously a, a upcoming four game home series with the nationals would be pretty huge. Yeah. I mean a full week, which is nice. If for those of us that enjoy watching baseball, having seven straight days of the game is, uh, nice. Three Milwaukee, mm-hmm. four four home with Washington. By the way, the national series has um, back to back national TV games. Saturday nights on FS1, and then Sunday night is ESPN, seven o'clock. So some later nights on the East Coast. Um, in terms of the podcast recording, I'm not 100 percent sure when we were, when we will record next week because it'll, it'll either be late late night after the game on Sunday night, or it'll be Monday because the Braves are off on Monday the 22nd. So either I'll record Sunday night or Monday depending on my schedule and I have some travel coming up, but 
one of those days I'll have a podcast. So within the next eight days or so, we'll have a new show. And if and as always, this time of year, if the Braves pull off a high profile trade, I will try to do an emergency podcast. So yep. Marcus Stroman gets traded Monday night, so that'll be coming. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding, sort of. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have a pretty, really. I have a pretty documented re- reputation of saying things like that, and then that kind of produces trades on on the Hawks side. This week, actually, in in Vegas, I had to record three podcasts in one day because the Hawks did a move like every four hours. So oh I God. had to, I, I would record, I'd post, I'd leave the room and like an hour later, they'd make another move and I had to go back and, re, and re-record and repost. And it was like a comedy of errors. So hopefully the Braves <laughs> won't do that to me. But um, That's something they space out their moves a little bit more than that. I'll put them in one day, like the, Don, like the, like the Donaldson McCann move over the, over the winter when it was like, oh, they did all, all their stuff in one day and then didn't, didn't make a move for three months. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh, all time. for good now though but uh, anyway scott makes, well thank makes you it real easy to do a podcast when you have all of like 80 percent of your off-season moves come within literally 45 minutes of each yeah other. it was uh, within like an hour and whatever it was <laughs> anyway uh, all right man well thank you for joining me as always and uh apologies for my bleary-eyed state i am definitely in zombie mode right now having coming off of 11 days in vegas and i need to take a nap or seven but here we are, and thank you for joining me as always, my friend. Please plug yourself. I know we talked about we talked about the podcast earlier. Please subscribe to this podcast as always. But um, Scott, tell people where they can find your work if they want to find it. Yeah, be sure to keep checking out the site, and then on Twitter, Scott Coleman fifty five. Follow Scott, our um, our number one guy on the West Coast. So uh, when, that's right. When there are games <laughs> in San Diego and they're late night games, we often rely on Scott. I was actually out there and was awake and probably could have helped you. So my apologies on that, but. Here we are. You're in uh, Vegas. It's all good. I was, uh, and time is just a magazine in Vegas. Yes. All right. As for everybody else, thank you for listening to the show. Please subscribe. Please subscribe. Rate, review, and all that fun stuff. And we'll see you all next week.